You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. So the way that you fight against compassion fatigue is you stay connected to God and His perfect love for you, uniquely, intimately, personally, um, when no one's around. And that's what makes the way of Jesus so powerful, is we're connected to the Creator. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are continuing and capping off a series on rhythms, looking at gathering, growing, giving, and going. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Avaroa. Jose, morning, thanks for Taylor. being here. Always Good morning. great being here. Oh, great to have you. And we're joined by Communications Director Paulina De La Fuente. Paulina, thanks for being here. Jose, this is really kind of part two of a two-part series or two-part message on going. Mm-hmm. Would love to hear your thoughts as you dove in and studied this particular passage this week. Yeah, the difference in this series is looking at how these rhythms bring about rest. So we want to think about gathering and growing and giving and going uh, with the perspective that Jesus has come to me, all who are uh, weary and heavy burden. And, and if you've been around this world for a while and um, in different seasons, it, the burden may look different, but the things of this world are heavy. And, and so we carry these, but God has given us these healthy rhythms to activate in our lives as Christians so that we can actually experience his rest as we do them. So my hope from this message was that we would experience that rest um, as we think about sharing our story, as we think about going and, and being disciples being salt and light to um, those that don't have uh, haven't put their faith in Jesus yet. So um, I hope I hope that we accomplish that. Yeah. So let's jump in here. Last week you talked about slowing down and starting small, and then this week we got three other uh, pieces to unpack here. The first one being take off judgment and put on compassion. You had several scriptures just mentioning the compassion and merciness or mercy mercy of God and the way that he shows us that. I'd love to just ask both of y'all real quick, practically, how do you continue to cultivate a heart of compassion towards, particularly for those who aren't yet believers? Because I think it's so easy because of the differences we have, differences of opinion that, at least in my opinion, I can quickly become judgmental towards those who are non-believers. So how do you maintain and kind of cultivate a heart for compassion? The first thing is recognize this that we talked on, on on Sunday, that we can't expect someone that doesn't follow Jesus, that hasn't given their life to, to God and, and isn't saying, yes, I, I'm a submitted follower of the way of Jesus to act as if they do. So that's the first realization. The second thing for me personally is I think about how I used to think and how I used to act, you know, before I surrendered my life to Jesus. And even still, it's a process that that he's growing me in and how to become a, a, a deeper disciple, a, uh, you know, one that receives God's love and then uh, gives it to to those those around me. That that's still an ongoing process in my life. But I did think very differently than I do mm-hmm. now, and all of that is thanks be to God and His transformative work in my mind and my life. Um, so yeah, taking t- looking at past chapters of my life and, and comparing that to how I live now, that gives me grace for people that were were where I used mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing you said is such a good 
red flag for me to check on myself of what I'm thinking. Like if I have a friend or family member in mind that I want to know Jesus, I think looking at what my expectation Mm -hmm. is for them is really helpful in figuring out if I'm actually showing compassion and just expecting wanting them to know Jesus or to look a certain way or act a certain way or believe, think what I think or be like me. I feel like those are the things that do not, those are judgment things. Those Mm -hmm. are where I am saying, you know, what it means to follow Jesus is blank instead of, I want them to know Jesus and to watch him transform their lives the way that he wants them to be transformed, not the way that I do. I think seeing that really helps to figure out, okay, what am I? Why do I have these extra expectations? And I think a lot of times those are the same ones that I've put on me too, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think realizing that I don't, I'm not at a place where, like, I just want people to be like Jesus because I want to be like him, not because I have all these extra things that qualify me or anyone else to know him, you know, just getting back to the simple instead of adding the other qualifiers. Yeah, that's so good. And and the thing with judgment too is it's a double-edged sword. So uh, scripture is clear that by the same measure that we judged, it will be used Mm -hmm. against us. Mm -hmm. And so if we choose to go down that path, we're actually incriminating ourselves. And I've seen that, I'm laughing because that's happened to me um, so many times where I, you know, feel that judgment from someone else. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, well, you thought about this person that way, or mm-hmm. um, you had this thought in your mind. And and uh, the other thing that brings about so much rest is recognizing that we are not the judge. Mm-hmm. We don't have to uh, say right, wrong uh, for, for, for uh, pushing that over someone. We should discern what is right and what is wrong. And, uh, follow and obey what God's called us to. Uh, but in terms of imposing ourselves as the judge mm-hmm. in another person's life, there's only one and he's the only perfect mm-hmm. one. We're imperfect. Mm-hmm. So stepping out of the throne is, is an important mm-hmm. one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a question in the community group outline uh, this week asking, how has God been merciful to you? And yeah. I just think about just even that simple question asking myself acknowledges that I need God's mercy mm-hmm. because I think to y'all's point, just the pride comes in and mm-hmm. doesn't think that, you know, like those people, they need Jesus, but I, I kind of had it figured out or I'm, I'm okay. And so just continually just that posture of, no, I, I need God's mercy every yeah. morning, every every day. And uh, and just in the same way, extending that, mm-hmm. to, that to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, what about compassion fatigue? Because both of y'all, yeah. I think of y'all personally uh, do such a good job of showing compassion to others. Last night at community group, uh, <laughs> there was someone in front of mine talking and, and she was saying, it's, it's almost easier to show compassion to a stranger because you just kind of assume the best out of them. Yeah. But when it comes to family or longtime friends, <laughs> someone that's let you down over and over again, it can be harder to show compassion towards them. So, so how do you two both uh, continue to kind of fight against that compassion fatigue and kind of continue to be a source of compassion to, to other people? Yeah, the first thing is awareness that we are running out of compassion. And it really is as simple as where am I receiving this love for this person? Is it internal? Is it based on my love for this person? Um, the the conditional you know, love that I have for this person because we are in a close relationship or because I want something that they have, you know, or am I digging from the well of Jesus and asking God for his love and his compassion for this person? If it's the latter, then then that person will be loved by God through, through me. And the important part not to miss is that 
I need to dig from that well for myself. Mm -hmm. So the way that you fight against compassion fatigue is you stay connected to God and his perfect love for you uh, uniquely, intimately, personally, um, when no one's around. And that's what the, that's what makes the way of Jesus so powerful is we're connected to the creator mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. Yes, collectively when we come together, um, but yeah, fatigue is, compassion fatigue is such a thing now because we, we, we are more connected than we've ever been. Yeah. We now know when there's an earthquake across the wor world or an atrocity in another state, you know, news travels faster and we get more news because we have more ways of documenting what's going on. And so you can really be worn out um, by caring for things out there and then not being able to show up for the people that are actually around you that, that mm. need you and your compassion the most. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because I heard a stat about studies that sociologists have done that show that, separate from faith, that show that we're wired to care for about the size right. of a small village, which yeah. for us is the local church, not because we only care, but this is our vehicle to care and to connect other people to. I just think that's pretty cool that we're wired that way, you know? So I, I know my compassion is not endless. I want to tap mm -hmm. into God's and to, you know, be able to renew that way, but I want to make sure that the places that I do that I am compassionate are the right places, just like you were saying, so that I'm not distracted by the other things and miss the people God yeah. directly puts yeah. in front of me. Mm -hmm. I think too, another piece of this is knowing who the real savior is, because I think I have a propensity to want to be the savior in certain people's situations. So showing compassion and then also trying to find solutions or trying to somehow find a way to, to help them when really my goal or my, my role is to point them yeah. to the savior. And mm -hmm. I think that that in of itself, uh, not only relieves some of the the pressure, but also just uh, ultimately points them to to the savior there. So that's good. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. still learning. Uh, the third point here is taking off the pressure and looking for peace. That's exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, learning the difference between our responsibility and God's responsibility. It's God's responsibility to draw people near, and it's people's responsibility to respond to yeah. God. So God has uh, done held true to his end of the bargain. He sent his son. He mm -hmm. lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice so that we can have the forgiveness that our sins um, need. And instead of us paying the consequences, God's paid those consequences for us. So that's God's responsibility, mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so each of us has a responsibility to say either yes or no. I'm gonna find um, my identity and I'm gonna find my way through something else or some other faith. And uh, that's each person's responsibility. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to be like Jesus and, and talk about our story, mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that really does change the game when we just look for people who have that peace. When we talk about the things of God, there's open doors. It's good. You know, there's curiosity there. That's when you know that God's on mm -hmm. the move. Yeah, the I was thinking about what you said, Taylor, about taking the pressure off before with putting on compassion. And I think it also, not only is it God that's the Savior, but how helpful to know that we have, that God puts several 
people in others' lives, you know, and so we're not the only one. I think it is our responsibility to take advantage of the opportunity that God gives us. But for me, it's like remembering that, that it's not just me, you know, because if someone does come to know Jesus, then I can feel like, well, now I have to get them to the finish line at the end of their life, you know, instead of like, that's what community is too, you know, is that I could maybe think of the first person or people that really planted that seed in my life, but it isn't them now. And it wasn't them after the beginning, you know, and there are other people that God puts in my life to keep me going and to keep others going instead of just, I brought this person, I'm bringing this person to Jesus and then I'm carrying them for the rest of their lives so that they know Jesus. I love that verse. And I think it's first Corinthians where it says that Apollos, uh, uh, Paul planted, yeah. Apollos watered, but mm-hmm. God's the one that makes uh, us grow. Yeah. And so that speaks to Paul played a, a, significant, a significant part. Uh, Apollos played a significant part in this church, but ultimately it was God mm-hmm. that, that created the growth. And, and it's the same way, yeah, in, in our lives. I mm-hmm. totally relate to that. What, is, what does it mean when you mention here, look for peace? Because I know we talked about people of peace. I'd love for you to expound on that a little bit as far as what does that practically look like in the relationships for those that aren't yet believers? How, what does that look like? How do, you, how do you see peace or find peace, identify peace? What is that? How have y'all seen that when it comes to just having conversations with? Yeah, with there's, there's different examples and circumstances that come to mind and they, they look different. So it's hard to just nail yeah, down yeah. this, hey, look for these four things and then you know. But I do think that you just know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, know when there's peace in a conversation. You feel that. And I think the other person feels that. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with someone who wasn't a believer. And we were talking about the things of God, shared a few stories of the Bible. And there was peace there. There wasn't incredible curiosity like, hey, tell me more. Um, But it landed. And uh, I I think that soil was good. That seed Mm -hmm. fell on that good soil. And the parable of the sower wasn't uh, rocky or the path. Um, The thorns take a little longer to to choke out the, the seed. But it was this sense of, man, we can have a further conversation about this. So I think when you feel that sense of, I'm trying to think of another word that's not peace, favor. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. When you have favor with someone, mm-hmm. um, then that's when you know that that's a person of peace. And here's a good, important piece. This takes a long time. This isn't one conversation. Mm-hmm. This is sometimes years and years and years of relationship building mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. someone chooses to, you know, say yes. Mm -hmm. And we, again, are not in charge of that. We're in charge of just being like Mm -hmm. Jesus. I think personally, if I picked something that was in common when I'm seeking peace or favor with people, God always surprises me with them. really good. And I don't know if it's because I personally always like am thinking like, what could I say, you know, that could help us talk about God or what like, I don't know if that's my own agenda. And so then God comes in and is like, look, I'm already doing this, you know, and they, I'm surprised with the way that he's working. For me, that's a really important key that always gets my attention because it means that I haven't said something, you know, like I'm not forcing an agenda or a plan of a conversation, but God is already stirring it in them and they bring up or are receptive to something that I'm unexpecting. Mm. And that helps me realize to stay there for a little while and to see if that is God's peace um, in someone or favor that he's giving me with someone. I wish that every conversation was filled with peace and uh, people yeah. receiving it, yet 
honestly, that that's not always the case. And I think for some people, when they think about the concept of finding rest and going, it can be hard when you think about all the worst case scenarios or the hostility that someone may face. How do y'all navigate having a conversation with someone and then you start to notice, yeah, there, there is not peace here or this is more of a hostile uh, environment? Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? What what kind of, I know it, I'm sure it varies case by case and following the Spirit's lead, but but kind of how would you encourage someone that's maybe worried about that, that the conversation really, could go really, south? That's a really great question. And I think the answer is, again, so intimate and um, God's right there. So Jesus said it, <laughs> you will be hated, but it's not because of you, it's because of me. Mm-hmm. So again, that speaks to somehow the some, sometimes the offensiveness that people take mm-hmm. when when you share, just say the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's self-induced. You know, we we haven't done this the best at times, and, and people feel judged. So sometimes that's the case. But at the heart, the gospel is offensive. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, says Jesus. You, you got to lose your life in order to find it. There's nothing more offensive than letting everything go and saying, I'm gonna change from a independent, yeah, die to myself and I'll be dependent on God and submit to his way of living. So that's a that's a tall order. Mm-hmm. Um, yet when we face that instance, two things. One, think about Christians all over the world. I, I think that would have been a good addition to this message is thinking about the persecuted church and what that really looks like in, in many parts of the world right now. We don't hear about it because it happens so often in underground. The uh, word never gets out. And the second thing is think about what Jesus went through for us. And so when we experience suffering for him, what an honor is that to join him in what he has done already for us. He suffered for us. And so when we, re, when, we, when we share in his suffering, that is one of the highest honors that we can have uh, that joins us together with, with our Savior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think of the persecuted church and think mm-hmm. of Jesus and what he's mm-hmm. done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, practically, when I try to put myself, think of situations where I have been in a conversation like that, where it does become hostile and clear that this isn't where God's, where there's peace and a place that I can go forward in. I feel like I'm often looking for the off ramp, you know, on, okay, how do I like reroute and not just keep going forward and doing, ending up in a judgment or debate that's not fruitful. And I think what I always go to is, okay, this is my last chance to leave some kind of mark. You know, if I'm going to exit this type of conversation. Um, And I think if I want to be, if I think of what that person's going to walk away with, I'd rather them remember that I loved them and respected them Mm -hmm. well than to remember that I had great theological arguments or answers. Um, I think that helps because then you can, when you give that option, it's like, it really is. It's God's plan, God's timing, his work, you know? And so it's not about me fighting with someone. And I think when I'm taking the off ramp, I'd rather them remember that, that I Mm -hmm. respected who they are and where they're at and just tried to love them instead of change them right there. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Uh, I want to close real quick, just talking about this last point here, going where you are and sharing your story. We've been touching on this yeah. just throughout the the answers today. But uh, for someone that is wanting to get started and just kind of maybe they're figuring out, okay, what, what do I say? How, how did y'all two learn kind of how to share your story? What does that practically look like? Because in some ways it sounds like there's a certain formula to follow, but, but kind of how would y'all encourage someone that's just getting started and sharing their story? Just start sharing, start talking about it. 
maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your friend, maybe it's a coworker. And if they are a brother or sister in Christ and you can say, hey, I'm working on sharing my story. Do you mind if I try with you? <laughs> and um, yeah, take someone out to coffee and say, hey, I'd love to share my story with you. The more you share it, the more God, I think, reveals. This is definitely true in my life. He's revealed things as I've shared. I'm also an external processor. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it does, it does, it has worked for my advantage, but God's revealed things as I've shared my story of new ways and different ways that well, new to me, that he's worked in my in my story. Mm -hmm. Different dots connect. So yeah, God gets the glory and then other people get to hear what God's done. Mm -hmm. I am definitely more of an internal processor <laughs> and I also really like listening and asking questions. And so I think for me, trying to do this more in the way that God made me, it means I like to ask and dig and then see if I can connect my story somewhere, you know, or if I can say like, I just went through that. And honestly, I know this might not be the way that you, you know, dealt with it, but for me, it was prayer or was community group, or it was that God, you know, here's what this verse says about this. And I've found a lot of peace and rest from learning to do it the way that God wired me and not be comfortable not sharing, you know, to still, I still need to share, even though I'm more of an internal processor than you, Jose, but I need to, I can learn to do it in the way that God yeah. made me, you know? And so for me, that's a preference and a way to try and not be content with just leaving relationships where they are, but I still want to dig in and connect my story to people. It's been a great series. It's been a great conversation today. Jose, we'll give you the final word as we cap off both this week and then just the whole message on rhythms. Yeah, think about... Um, a little bit of my story coming into the church through the soccer team that I tried out for. And uh, thinking about when I made the team and how exciting that was, that I was on a, on a team with a mission. Our mission was to score goals and win, win soccer games. We did that some, um, but then that introduced me to this church family and this mission of God, which is to, to win people for the Lord. And we win people by being authentic, by sharing our story. Um, it's, a, it's a critical mission. Um, that this world needs. And we all play an amazing part of it. And I really don't think there's any other team that we can be on that brings about as much satisfaction and joy as we do this together. So let's go team. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.